we've been uh, starting to show these videos at the beginning of the service uh, just to encourage people what it looks like to be a daily disciple, that um, it's not just something we do on Sunday mornings, but something that we incorporate into our lives, like we're always supposed to be following Jesus and impacting the lives of others, and I appreciate Matt sharing that, especially on Father's Day. Um, as fathers, we've got a big responsibility, don't we? Um, we have the responsibility to lead our families spiritually, not just provide for them financially. And hopefully we've had people like Matt has in, in our lives who have been good examples that we could follow and would come alongside of us. And um, many of us uh, have, have godly wives who are there to help us disciple our children, and we all have the Holy Spirit to help us in this process as well. And so um, be encouraged. You're not alone in this process, even though Oftentimes, I know as a father, we feel like we fail miserably at times. You know, the Holy Spirit, God is with us. And uh, that's what we want to focus on this special Father's Day. Glad to have my father with me for the first time here. So um, on a Father's Day, so that's really special too. Hey, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, looking at the Holy Spirit. We're going to be in John chapter 16. I'm looking at verses 12 through 15. So if you have a church Bible, if you want to follow along, that would be great. That's page 1069, I believe. And I want you to notice, so it's just four verses, but in these four verses, you're going to see six different times how um, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit and how he says, He will. He will. Six different times he says the Holy Spirit will do certain things. So listen um, with those ears as we read these verses. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now did you hear he will in there? Notice the five times. Um, so he says it six times, but um, two of them are, are sort of duplicates. But here, here, here we go. The first one he says he will guide you into all the truth. Secondly, he will speak whatever he hears. Thirdly, he will declare things that are to come. Fourth, he will glorify Jesus. And then finally, fifth, this is where it's stated twice, twice he will take what is Jesus's and declare it. So he'll guide you in all truth. He'll speak whatever he hears. He will declare things that are to come. He will glorify Jesus, and he will take what is Jesus's and declare it. Now, before we get into these um, he will statements. I want us to look at verse 12 in, in a little more detail. Um, Jesus, again, um, was gathered with his disciples around the table for this last supper, and he says this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You cannot bear them now. Um, the first image that comes to my mind when I hear that, like you can't bear them now, is that iconic scene from A Few Good Men. Remember Jack Nicholson? And he's on the, on the, on the uh, what, what do you call that thing? What is that? The, on the stand, yeah, thanks. And then he just goes off, right? And he's like, you can't 
handle the truth, right? Everybody knows this scene, and, and so it's iconic. Now, um, I got that image in my mind, but I don't think that's how Jesus was really approaching it. I don't think he was yelling at him like, you can't handle the truth. But he, still, it's sort of the th- same theme as like, they, they just couldn't bear it. They could not handle all the truth at this time. And um, they had spent three years with Jesus, and he had been teaching him the whole time. But um, now he, he's... he's at that Last Supper, and he tells them, you can't bear any more truth. And, and I don't know exactly why he said that. Maybe it has to do with the fact that um, that was a long meal. And if you um, read through this in John, you'll see he, he was just sharing a lot of knowledge, a lot of information with them. And, and they were probably overwhelmed by that. Just their minds were overwhelmed on all the instructions that he was giving them. Or I, I believe their hearts were overwhelmed, too, because he was... He was sharing with them how he was about to leave them, and their, their hearts were overwhelmed with sorrow. And they probably just couldn't bear anything more at this time. It could have been that that Jesus was referring to, or it could have been the fact that even though they had been with Jesus for three years, which seems like a long time, they're really still like, like babes, right? They had a lot to learn still. And so it's probably a combination of those two things that Jesus was referring to when he says, you can't bear the truth right now. You can't bear any more truth at this time. See, um, it's a progressive kind of thing, and and I think you've got to begin with these these fundamentals and then build upon it. Build upon that. It reminds me of um, just something that happened this week. So this week I I was going through the day school, and sometimes I do this, and I was going and I was visiting like the kids and the teachers and saying hello and, and just having some fun and being really disruptive. And, uh, and I was making my way through, and I was on the second story. So if you've been to the children's building, if you go to the very end and you're up, upstairs, you look down into the playland. And so there's a big old window so you can see everything. And I was looking down, and the pre-K class was already down there. And um, they were with their teachers, Maya and Kim, and, and I could tell there was something going on because they weren't just playing freely, but they were lined up on the stage, and I was just watching. But then a couple kids saw me up there, and then it, it was completely disrupted at that point. And so I thought, so what do I do? So I'm going to engage with them. So I open up the door, and if you haven't been in there, there's, there's a door on the second story, and then there's a slide that comes down. And I thought, I'm going down the slide. Like, this is going to be a hit, right? And so, you know, I, I climb in the slide, and all the kids are excited, and I'm, like, thumping around, you know, coming, coming down this thing. And then all of a sudden, I get to the bottom, and, like, I emerge like a majestic butterfly from a cocoon. Like, I can only imagine what was going through these children's minds. It was probably more like an ostrich, you know, coming out of the, the eggshell, because I was, like, having to unfold myself to get out of that thing. So then I, I go over there, and... And um, they're, they're all full of energy, and then Kim says, all right, kids, let's, let's uh, show Pastor Scott what you know. And so I'm like, all right. And so she goes, all right, and all eyes are on her, and I'll do this with you. So what has three sides and three corners? Anybody? A triangle, thank goodness. These were like pre-K kids, and they were like in unison. They were like a triangle. I was like, wow, that is really impressive, more impressive than you all. And, and, and so they knew exactly what it was, and she didn't even hold up the image. She just described it. And then she goes, okay, what doesn't have any sides 
And, and it's smooth, but it's not a circle. An oval. Well done, Matt. You guys might want to enroll in the day school. So anyhow, we're not done at that point. Then she, she looks over and she goes, Kason, what's two plus two plus two? Now, she got me because I was thinking, oh, she's going to do the old two plus two is four. You know, so I was expecting that. And, but no, she goes, what's two plus two plus two? She added a whole other dimension. And he goes, six. I was like, wow, that was impressive. Then she goes, Luke, what's five plus five plus five, he goes, 15. And every one of the kids there was ready to answer all these questions. I'm like, I was so impressed. These kids have not even been to kindergarten yet. And, and I got to just give a shout out to the teachers in our day school. They're doing a phenomenal job of preparing the children for, you know, education and, and life beyond. And as I was listening to them, I was thinking, this really has application to all of our lives, Right not just with math. See, um, as brilliant as those little children may be, as much as they've already learned, they're not ready for calculus. They're not ready for calculus yet. But they got a good foundation, don't they, upon which to build. And that's how it is in our lives. Like, we don't just learn everything all in one sitting. You know, Jesus doesn't unload everything upon us He didn't gather the disciples together and say, all right, let me just tell you, I mean, this is everything you need to know for for life and godliness, and and here's everything that you can expect to happen to you throughout your life. No, it's meant to be progressive. Our spiritual growth is meant to be progressive and continual. It's a process that we're entering into. And so I think that's what he had in mind when he was saying, you can't bear any more truth at this time. We can hear and, and grasp some truth, and then tomorrow a little more, and the next day a little more, and it should continue to grow. But it's meant to be progressive and never-ending. Um, you guys have heard the term lifelong learner. Well, we're supposed to be eternal lifelong learners. We should be continually learning and growing in our faith. It's a journey. It's a process. And so that's what he was talking about. And I think this is so important for us to grasp because a lot of us aren't, aren't really committed to growing on a daily basis. I remember years ago, um, a gentleman in our church who I would have considered one of the more mature um, men in the church, been a Christian for a long, long time, been in church pretty much all his life, and I remember one day he came to me, and he, and he told me that he and his family were leaving the church, which is never a great conversation. You know, it always breaks my heart when somebody says that. And then um, I'll never forget what he said next. He said, I've heard all the stories, and I've sang all the songs. I've heard all the stories, and I've sang all the songs. And I just thought in that moment how sad that is, that for some reason you've come to believe that that's what church is. Like you just show up on a Sunday morning and you sing three songs and you hear a story from the Bible and that's it. And sure, if if that's all it is to you, then why would you keep coming? 
but there's so much more to church. See, church isn't what we do on Sunday morning. Church is what we do seven days a week. Church is who we are. We are the church. And so somehow he had bought in to this lie, and I'm afraid others have bought into it as well. We should always be growing. We should be growing in knowledge. We should be growing in power, and we should also be growing in people. If we're truly disciples who are making disciples, we should be growing in every facet of life and in relationship. That's part of the process. It's not just about gathering together on a Sunday morning for some music and a message. It's so much greater and so much more fun than that. So um, with that, we want to now jump into those, those five sayings where Jesus said he will when referring to the Holy Spirit. Here's the first one. He said, he will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you into all the truth. Now, hopefully this is beginning to sound a bit redundant because we have been talking about one of the roles of the Holy Spirit for weeks now is to open our minds to the truth about God and to open our hearts to him as well. And the Holy Spirit has a way of illuminating God's truth to us. And he will lead us and he will guide us into all the truth, all the truth. And this is really critical. Um, it's, it's amazing when you actually do pray and you just ask, Holy Spirit, show me, show me your truth. And then you pick up the Bible and, and you open it up and, and you begin to read it. And it's amazing how it begins to just come alive and speak to you. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. So he will guide us into all truth. But there's something more to it. It's not enough just to read it. You have to apply it in your life. You know, it's one thing to, to learn a lesson, but it's another to act upon it. That's when you truly learn it, right? Is when you put it into action. Um, I'll give you an example be sort of silly. Say you wanted to go to the Grand Canyon, right? It would be sort of silly if you just got out a map, and if you're under 30, this is a map. Okay, I know like you've never seen one of these. This is completely foreign to you, but this is how people used to operate at one point. And like if you wanted to go to the Grand Canyon, you would get a map out like this. You would unfold it, and you would look up the Grand Canyon. You'd be like, okay, there it is, and here I am. And so you would kind of circle this, and then you would chart your course, and you would highlight it, and then you would head in that direction. Now, it would be silly, wouldn't it, to have done all that, so you get your map out, and you, you locate the Grand Canyon, you locate where you are, and what path you're going to take, and then you sort of fold it up. You're like, I've been to the Grand Canyon. You'd be like, what do you mean you've been to the Grand Canyon? Well, I've been to the Grand Canyon. You know, I, I read about it. I saw it on the map. I've charted the course. I've been to the Grand Canyon. You'd be like, no, you haven't been to the Grand Canyon. You've got to do something else, don't you? Like, you need to get in the car. You need to drive to the Grand Canyon. And when you get there, you need to get out, and you need to start taking it in. And then what should you really do if you want to get the most out of it? You get a guide. Well, you get a guide... And the guide shows you some things that you might have overlooked, that you didn't know. The guide has a way of opening all of this up to you in a way that you never would have seen before. That's the Holy Spirit. See, he will guide us into all truth. 
And so he'll open up the word of God to us, and all of a sudden, he'll sort of chart a course for us in life. But it's not enough to go, oh, that's great. No, it's like, no, now let's journey together. Let me guide you. Let me help bring some of this to life for you. And so all of a sudden, you're journeying with him, and, and you start to see, wow, there's so much in here. Like, this is actually helping me how to, how to deal with difficult relationships. I, I didn't know that was in there. And it instructs you, like, how, how do you find joy in the midst of suffering? Wow. How, how can I have peace? No matter what the circumstance. He, he will guide you into all truth. Like, Holy Spirit, what did I do with my keys? Well, you left them over there. You know, like the Holy Spirit, have you ever done that? Like you lost your keys and you're like, I, I can't find them. Just Have you ever stopped and prayed, Holy Spirit, show me where your, my keys are. And they're in the freezer, you know. <laughs> there they are, right, right where you left them. You know, the Holy Spirit will guide us into all the truth. That's one of the incredible gifts that he, he offers us. So we, we see that taking place. He'll guide us into all truth. But we're not ready for all truth right now. We can't handle all the truth at one time. Now, if you look at the second he will, it says he will speak whatever he hears. He will speak whatever he hears. Now, this is an interesting one to me. You know, the Bible tells us that there's one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. One of them didn't make the other one. One of them is not greater than the others. They're all equal. But yet, as you read the Bible and even our experience in life, you discover that they do have different roles and responsibilities. One God, three persons, but different roles and responsibilities. And so when we read like verse 13, if you look at that again, this was Jesus talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. He says, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. So it seems to be pointing to the fact that the Holy Spirit is not going to speak on his own authority. Reminded me of something Jesus said about himself back in John chapter 12. So John 12, verse 29, this is what Jesus said. For I have not spoken on my own authority. But the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And so what we see here is, is this differentiation of roles and responsibilities, and, and it appears that it's God the Father who speaks to God the Son, who speaks to God the Holy Spirit, who speaks to us. See how, how it flows like that? And what I envision is just this beautiful picture of unity, just um, the way God communicates. There, there's no division. There's this oneness. Um, I had this image in my mind of a chocolate fountain flowing. And so I was going to bring one up here, and I was working on that. I was calling people, looking for a fountain, and then I thought, this is going to be a disaster. Like, if I get a chocolate fountain up here, you know, kids are going to be coming up, sticking their fingers. This is going to mess up. So John did me a favor, and he created a little video. All right. So just focus on that and how, how delicious that is and how beautiful. But do you see how the chocolate flows from the top?
to the next layer, to the next layer, and then to the basin. Now, imagine that the Word of God is that chocolate, and it flows from the top from the Father down to the Son, down to the Holy Spirit, and then down to us. And notice also that it doesn't just stop there and harden, but we have a role to play as well. We have to continue to allow the Word of God to flow in us and then through us. It needs to continue to cycle. Otherwise, it would just become stagnant and hard, right? And that may be true for some of you. Maybe the Word of God just becomes stagnant and hard in your life, but it's not meant to be. You're supposed to receive it, and then you're supposed to share it as well. Here are just um, three passages from Scripture that really point to the role that we have in all of this. Matthew 10, 27 says, What I tell you in the darkness, this was Jesus speaking, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the rooftops or the housetops. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, I'll I'll just paraphrase. It's the Great Commission. We talk about it time and time again. But but Jesus said, um, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. See how it's flowing from the Father to the Son, the Son to the Spirit, to us and then to the world, like we have a role to play. And then Ephesians 4, 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. We have a role to play. We can trust that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're going to do their part. But we have a part to play as well. We need to allow the word to flow in to us and then out through us. The third he will. The third he will. He will declare things that are to come. He will declare things that are to come. Now, probably the best example of that is uh, the book of Revelation for us. And you may recall how the Holy Spirit revealed to John... He was on on the island of Patmos. Uh, He revealed to him all these things that were to come. And many of those things have not yet come to pass in our lives yet either. But he was revealing to him the end times and what was to come. And when Jesus would return and how he would right the wrongs and how he would usher in um, the new heavens and the new earth. And all of that is yet to be realized But that was part of the role and continues to be part of the role of the Holy Spirit. He also can do that in our own lives in different ways. It's not like fortune-telling or um, future-telling kind of stuff. Like the Bible actually speaks against that stuff, if you're not aware of that. Like don't go to those palm readers or fortune-tellers or engage in that and think this would just be sort of fun. No, it's not, and you you should not be doing that. But what he's talking about is more from a prophetic kind of sense, and that he can prophetically give you some insight into things that are yet to come. So that's part of the role of the Holy Spirit, something he will do. Then it brings us to the fourth one. It says, he will glorify Jesus. He will glorify Jesus. How will the Holy Spirit glorify Jesus? 
Well, part of this we see in the fifth he will. The fifth he will is he will take what is Jesus's and declare it. He will take what is Jesus's and declare it. So what is Jesus's and what is he to declare? I, I was thinking it would be really helpful for each and every one of us, if you haven't done it already, but to, to do it again, just go and open up the first chapter of John. Sometime this week, go home and just read the first chapter of John and you'll see all these truths about Jesus. You know, that Jesus is in fact declared to be the creator of all things. That's Jesus, the, the, the creator of all things. He is the author of life. He is the giver of light and truth. He will defeat evil and darkness. Um, that he is the means of salvation. Those are just a few. Just read through John chapter 1, and you will see all that is, or at least part of what is declared about Jesus. And part of the role of the Holy Spirit is then to make that known to all of us. And so I encourage you to keep reading through there and discover all the truth that is to be found. Um, and again, it's progressive. You'll learn more and more as time goes on. One of the other things that I, I love about the Holy Spirit is just the way he humbly accepts his role. When you look at Scripture and you see how this um, plays out in an orderly fashion, the Holy Spirit is never looking to draw attention to himself, right? He, he's that kind of behind-the-scenes guy. I mean, he's working within us and then through us, but he's not trying to draw attention to himself what he ultimately wants to do is draw attention to Jesus. He wants to shine the light on Jesus, so to speak. He wants Jesus to receive the honor and the glory and the praise. I mean, after all, it was Jesus who stepped down out of heaven and came to earth, took on bodily form, and all that went with it. It was Jesus who suffered at the hands of the very people that he came to save. It was Jesus who not only um, took our sin upon him, but actually became sin for us. So that when he died on the cross, a horrible death, that he could pay the penalty that we couldn't pay. You know, it was that Jesus who was scorned and mocked on our behalf that deserves the honor and the glory and the praise. And so the Holy Spirit is trying to put the light on Jesus because he is the image, the visible image of the invisible God. He wants to do everything to magnify Jesus. And we too should do the same. Part of our role is to magnify Jesus as well, to shine the light on Jesus. See, we're supposed to live and love and lead like Jesus, not so that we receive the honor, the glory, the praise, but so that he does. See, we, we may spend time when you're on a stage and you're in the midst of the spotlight. And, it, and it's not to, to draw attention to ourselves. It should be to draw attention to Jesus and to glorify him. We, we've all been given stages or platforms, gifts and talents. We've all had successes. And what we're supposed to do is not make it all about us, but to make it all about him. Because without him, it would all be for nothing. It would be for nothing. So we have an opportunity to shine the light on him, just like the Holy Spirit, and to magnify him, to declare to the world all there is about him 
and how awesome he is. And so we see um, just how the Holy Spirit moves and works and um, has this role in our lives and the lives of, of those around the world and how we get to participate in that as well. And um, it's just incredible when you reflect upon what a gift we have in the Holy Spirit. Again, think of the five things he will do. If you are truly a dedicated follower of Jesus, if you're known as a disciple of his, he will guide you into all the truth, into all the truth. He will speak whatever he hears. He's not going to keep things hidden from you, the truth of God hidden from you. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to speak it to you. He will declare things that are yet to come. He will glorify Jesus, and he will take what is Jesus's and declare it. He will do all those things. And if you've experienced any of that, then you know, isn't it amazing when when he does that in your life? Isn't that so exciting? Don't you feel special like, oh my gosh, God has revealed these things to me through the Holy Spirit. It is an incredible thing to experience. And if you've experienced that, I want to encourage you, keep seeking it more and more. Keep asking the Holy Spirit to show you more and more, to help you to um, live it more and more. Because, again, remember, we're a work in progress. We, we, we know so much right now, but there's so much more for us to learn. We can only bear so much right now. We're a work in progress. There are greater things yet to come. Ask him. Ask him for more of his power, more of his presence in your life. And if you haven't experienced that, then, then maybe just do some introspection and, and ask yourself, why is that? Why haven't I experienced these things? Could it be that you've never asked? You've never asked the Holy Spirit to come and, and open your eyes, open your minds, open your hearts to him? Could it be that, that he's been trying to do that, but you just haven't been obedient? What could be the reason why you haven't experienced these things? Because we know that that's what he will do if we will just listen and obey, if we'll follow him. So let's pray and just ask for him to do that more and more in our lives. Holy Spirit, we do pray that you will take what has been given from the Father to the Son to you and that has been imparted to us and that you will make it come alive, that you will shine the light on it, that you would open our minds and our hearts to everything that you, this majestic triune God, have for us. We pray that we would stop settling for less, that we would stop being fearful of what you might um, reveal about us um, what you might require of us, and that, that we would just surrender all to you, and, and that we would experience just the excitement of that, especially for the dads among us. We, we pray that um, we would stop buying into the lies of the world and just fully surrender to you and allow us to be the men of God that you want us to be so that we can lead our families well. Lord, that's not something we can do in our own strength, even though many of us have tried and failed. We thank you that we're not called to walk alone. We thank you that we are called to walk with each other and that you are going to not only walk with us, but you're going to be in us. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to dwell within us. We surrender to you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.